not an asshole. I'm an actor. What the prime time, bitch? Hello, everyone. Welcome to Kill the Cast. My name is Jerry, and joining me, as always, is the ever-quotable Jay. Jay has no quotes because it's a horror coliseum, but Jay has a small cold, so if I sniffle, I apologize. We're full of sniffles. I, Jesus, was that a scream? What was that? <laughs> I'm also uh, reenacting a Serbian film, so forget <laughs> that. Damn. Holy shit. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the Silent Hill biker himself, Kenneth. It sounded like somebody being fucking strangled and then gone. For <laughs> <laughs> real. Grant? Jesus. Uh, and then uh, 10 out of 10, Derek from Cinema Attack and Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space. How are you, Derek? Good. How are you guys doing today? Uh, you know, a little scruffy from allergies because, I don't know, it comes and goes here during the summer and the fall for me. So it happens. But I'm hanging in there. I'm glad to be part of joining you guys finally. Oh, we can't wait to disappoint you. Uh, and with that right. fact, we're, we're, we're getting right into it because it's Horror Coliseum. Fuck what we've been doing this week. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, no one cares. Uh, it is time to get right into Friday the 13th Part 3. And, of course, we are starting with Story. And, uh, Derek, I'm going to let you go first as guest, man. Go ahead. Uh, for Story, I rated this one a 6 out of 10, unfortunately. Because uh, it is getting, when you watch one through two and then three it gets kind of redundant you know it's the same thing a group of people uh going to like near crystal lake and getting picked off by a killer which you know it's most slashers redundant in that way in aspect but i did like that uh when we get into the setting and stuff i'll give my ratings for that what i did like about the story and where it was set and it had some cool like little twists and turns in it but overall six out of ten for story for me personally all right, Jay. Jay gave the story a seven. Oh, God damn it. Okay. Already with the third person. Uh, <laughs> I gave the story a seven. Um, it's pretty good. I like that uh, the one the one chick has ties to Crystal Lake, and we find out that she was attacked by adult Jason uh, outside of the, the, movie, the movie stories. So that was pretty cool. Um, otherwise, yeah, pretty standard. Nothing fantastic, but nothing terrible either. All right, Kenneth. I gave it a five. I was not blown away by it. I thought the the way that they kind of uh, pulled Jason into the story with the girl was just kind of lame. It wasn't thought out enough. Her backstory of the 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 uh, the where she got came into contact with Jason. I thought it was weak. I thought how she got away was weak. I thought that the continuity of it sucked. I mean, just all the way around. <laughs> so I just gave it, I, I gave it a five, and that was me being generous. Yeah, I, me being generous. I came in with a six. Uh, I wanted to go a five, but I gave it, I gave it a point for trying to do something slightly different with it not being at a camp and it trying to put a backstory in with one of the characters with Jason. Um, but to be honest, it never works. Her backstory doesn't work because it's it's bullshit. They never explain how she got away from Jason. Pretty sure Jason didn't just change his mind on killing slash raping her out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> it's a bullshit yeah. mystery. It tries something different and I'll give it credit for that, but it doesn't work. Also, uh, the continuity is a huge problem for me. This movie takes place the day after Friday the 13th part two, as shown by the news report at the very beginning of the movie. 
yet when they do a flashback to a year ago, which would be almost an exact year before Friday the 13th part two, um, which, um, would mean year, like year, uh, four and a half years before he killed Alice or no, uh, somewhere, let's see, Friday the 13th part one, five years he kills Alice or four and a half years he kills Alice. Six months later, he, he starts killing in part two. So you go a year. So half a year before he killed Alice, he all of a sudden had no hair, is wearing the exact same jeans and green shirt that he got at the beginning of Friday the 13th Part 3 that he stole to change out of his clothes from Part 2 from. Yeah, no, none of that fucking makes sense. It doesn't work. You didn't try. Yeah, he, like he wasn't Ginger Jason anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, just, it doesn't. It doesn't. Fuck. I don't care that his face didn't look the same. I'm fine with that. But come on. You did a flashback and made him wear the same clothes that he stole from the beginning of the movie uh, a year before the movie started? That's, it just doesn't work for me. Well, what you guys didn't know is that in the director's cut, Jason can time travel. Here's the problem I have with time travel. I was talking to Kenneth about this earlier. <laughs> is uh, The Earth rotates around the sun. So if you time travel and you don't do it to an exact year, you will not land on the same spot in the Earth. You're, you're traveling time. You're not traveling distance. So time and space, my friend. Time and space. No, you said time travel, not space travel. You did not say it's distance travel. You said listen. time travel. And there's Quantum mechanics go, are Jay. very, very finicky. Yeah, and you don't know them, so don't act like you do. Let it go, Jay. <laughs> Fuck Doctor Who. Fuck Back to the Future. Fuck every movie that uses time travel. They're wrong. All right, next we move on to character development. Uh, Derek, what do you got for character development? Okay, character development... Let me look at my notes real quick. Oh, yes, character development. I gave it a seven. Uh, there's some good character development with, like, the main set of characters, like Shelly and his, uh, you know, love interest. I forget her name, per se, because it's been a while since I watched the film since we first prepped for this show. You know what I mean? Uh, but overall, like, some of the characters, like the stoners and biker characters, are kind of just there for body count, pretty much. So there's not really a lot of character development for them. But, like, the core, like, group of characters are really well done. And it's so odd to see, like, those characters in this setting, too. Because uh, they don't really... They're just there for body count. They don't have really anything to be just stoner to be killed off. You know what I mean? I feel you. All right, Jay. Uh, I gave it an 8. I felt like the main characters were developed uh, more and a little bit better than the last two movies. Or at least the last... The second one, for sure. Um, they all had some decent uh, development and uh, personality arcs. <clears throat> Excuse me, like Shelley learning not to not to always be a dick before he died. Anyway, I don't think he <laughs> learned that at all. He literally died wearing the same suit he just pulled a prank in. Yeah, but he yeah. was like he didn't learn shit. He died almost. Doing... No, there's no almost. I don't know where you got that from. That's no. Damn it. <laughs> No. I gave it an 8 because <laughs> I gave it an 8. Jerry, right. how about you? Uh, Kenneth, what did you give it? I gave it a 5. I thought the characters were weak. I really did. I thought all the characters were weak. I thought that, you know, um, the again, like going back to the chick at the, 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 main, the main girl, I thought her whole thing, her whole shtick was just ridiculous. 
uh, Shelly's thing, I mean, they really didn't flesh him out. The only thing they did is made him, uh, he's a nerd and he likes to do pranks. That's about it. Uh, the only kind of really big thing that they tried to give uh, that one chick is that she was pregnant. That was about it. You know, the other guy, what's his character development? He fucking likes to play with a yo-yo. And he likes to walk upside down. I mean, who gives a fuck? You know what I'm really saying? Really likes the fucking hammocks too, man. Yeah, I mean, when, okay. anyone who's sharing a hammock with her is going to like a hammock. Right. Let's just yeah. get that out. But yes, I mean, exactly. you know, that was the only thing that, that chick had going for her. Really, is that she was hot. I mean, so like I said, all the all the main characters were just they were just weak. And then after that, you know, damn. You get the biker guy, the biker people. They were, you know, like like he said, it was fucking body count. So I'm just like, overall, I just like, okay, it's got a five. And again, I was being generous just because it's a Friday the Thirteenth movie. Yeah, I gave it a six. I felt like they were all pretty generic and uninteresting. I had a hard time caring about anyone in this movie. Uh, like they tried to spice it up by going, oh, here's a pregnant chick. They tried to spice it up with, oh, she's got a backstory that involves Jason, uh, and an ex-lover who's come back, and now they're frigid and blah blah. Who cares? Who literally cares about anyone in this movie? I think I'm way more easily entertained than everybody. I, in I, general, <laughs> that I would agree. Okay, we move on to pacing and editing. Derek, what you got? Uh, let me see. Oh, here we go. Pacing and editing. Uh, I gave it an eight. You know, it can it moves faster than some because I, I like how the final chase is kind of faster because it's just one long scene pretty much than the other two movies because there's some quick edits that aren't in real time and you can see that. And I like this one because it seems more in real time than say two and th- one's uh, chasing if you know what i mean like when you see like a cut and then alice was inside like the cupboard and then it cut and see like uh, amy Steele and underneath the bed and then it cuts away and then you don't know how long she's been running for you know what i mean but i like this one because it seems more fast-paced and uh more realistic to me so i gave it an eight all right jay uh i gave it a seven I thought it was just fine. I felt uh, once it started, it didn't really let go. Like the the time between kills was spent uh, wasn't too crazy, so you didn't get bored um, with everything else being kind of just average. The fact that we were able to get the kills in a good time frame kept me entertained. All right, Kenneth. I gave it a five. I thought that, you know, it took way too long to get to where it really started picking up. And the rest of the movie, I was just bored. I was bored, and the whole time I'm sitting there, and I'm like, come on, come on, come on. I mean, it was just, uh, I can't even go any further into it. It is just slow and boring. I was like, <laughs> my God. I gave it a, a seven. Once again, we begin with a recap we just do not need. Uh... But it does have the best credits to make up for that. Because that mm-hmm. song is ball and the credits are good and that starts getting me up. Uh, the pacing could be faster, but I don't think it's quite as bad. I am bored through the movie, but I don't think that's the pacing's fault necessarily. I think it's more of just the, it, the movie's boring. Um, and some of the editing does feel slightly weird to me, slightly off. Like the shower scene with her talking 
and then showing her outside of the curtain for some reason just feels off. Um, maybe it would have worked better if they would have opened the shower curtain so we could have seen her talk uh, and mm-hmm. other things. Yeah. 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 Really? Yeah. That's. I mean, yeah. it would it would have felt more natural. Uh, yeah, the movie wasn't boring, and you don't think it was because of the pacing. You know, two people die at the beginning of the movie, and then it's Five. just dragging its leg along. It is, like, it is literally you know, like 40 they, minutes until someone yeah. dies again. And then somebody else dies, really? and it swings its leg forward, and it's like, oh, I'm going to take a step, and then it starts dragging some more. Oh, God, it was fucking terrible. <laughs> I think I'm going to agree with Kenneth. I should have not been as nice on that. <laughs> um, I didn't get that feeling from it. I was way more bored with the second one than this one. I don't see how the second one has way more interesting things going on. Uh, okay, we move on to atmosphere. Derek, go ahead. I gave it a seven. I like well, this goes into like the setting stuff too. Like especially during like the nighttime scenes, it's very atmospheric, especially with the barn and stuff. I like you know when we get into the setting, I really like the barn setting, especially with the dark and it adds tension and. Uh, you know, mixes well with the score and stuff too. The, of course, Manfredini score. It all dwells into like a perfect like setting for a Friday the Thirteenth film. But like I said, it's not higher because it's been done before. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No, I feel you. Uh, Jay, atmosphere. Uh, seven. It was good. Wasn't bad. Just you know, pretty average. Okay, Kenneth. I gave it a six. There were moments where it was a little creepy. Like, uh, when Jason gets his mask, I thought that was kind of creepy, you know, like seeing him just stroll up on the dock and stuff like that. What a po. Yeah. You know, but other than that, I mean, there was just, I don't know. This, this one to me, it didn't have the, the usage of the, the angles and stuff like that. You know, there was a point that Jerry brought up to me earlier today that I'm sure he'll bring up later that was really cool. But uh, that's more to do with cinematography and how it was shot. But otherwise, it was just like, it it just wasn't overall creepy to me. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I, that's the best way that I can describe it. But I gave it a six just because there were more, there was a couple of moments that were decent. But overall, the overall atmosphere of the movie was not creepy to me at all. Yeah, so I gave it a seven. Their atmosphere they were going for was obviously to bore you to death, and they 100% hit that. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I did give it a seven because the music helps it a lot, but it's actually what Kenneth just told me. Uh, what mentioned is what I was sitting there saying. Yeah, the music added to the atmosphere a lot. It's the same shit. Exactly. What is not broke, don't fix it. It works for Friday Thirteenth oh, movies. Okay, okay. Oh no, it doesn't. Not for one that sucks. It doesn't make. It doesn't okay, do good. It's like good, good music over what? fucking. I mean, you know. Okay, but the music's still good. If I'm in the bathroom the taking a shit with a good metal song over the top of it, doesn't mean I'm doing anything different than taking a shit. <laughs> that is not true. You probably would be headbanging, therefore creating emotion that would uh, make it into a thing of beauty. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, but the thing that I actually think helps the atmosphere a lot is something that it takes uh, where it has these camera angles where it shows Jason walking off screen. And it's very creepy. Every time they use it, it's done very well, except for the one time that they have him just kind of leisurely strolling to the barn. That I was like, really? You couldn't make that like everything else and cut it like three seconds ahead of time. So it just was him walking out of frame and being creepy. So... Either way, now we go into scenery set design. Derek, what you got? Hmm, scenery set design. I gave it an eight. Like I said before, I really like the cabin set with the barn mixed together. It really adds uh, a difference to uh, 
a Friday the Thirteenth film that we haven't seen yet because it was in like the camp setting before. It's just a little something different, and I just like the aspect of these kids just going out there partying at this place because one of the the, the lead girls it's at her place. You know what I mean? So you know, it's a little something different in the same location too. You know. All right, uh, Jay. Um, I gave or scenery, right? Yes. That's what we're on. Yeah, I gave that a seven. Um, yeah, I mean, it looks. I'm glad it wasn't at the the camp again. It was still on Crystal Lake, but it wasn't at the camp. Um, but it looked it looked fine. Uh, the barn set was really good. That's used a few times. I thought that was okay. Um, it just yeah. There's not really much more to say about it. Fair enough, Kenneth. I gave it a five. And I gave it a five for the barn. The barn was cool. You know what I'm saying? There really wasn't. And you a really hate this game, don't you? <laughs> Movie, not game. It, 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 I mean, it, I mean, the rest of it just looked like a house in the woods. I mean, it, it, and it didn't look like a creepy house in the woods. It just looked like a house in the woods, and the and the lake might as well have been no more than a fucking puddle. It it was just a little bit bigger than a puddle. You know what I'm saying? It looked like what was in the middle of my driveway growing up as a kid. That's what it looked like. I mean, other than that, there really wasn't there wasn't a lot to it at all the barn was the coolest part and i think and i think the way that the movie ended had a lot to do with what makes the barn that much cooler and 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 how it sets up you know but other than that there really wasn't a whole lot to it so the scenery and set design i mean it was all right you know yeah Uh, so i just gave it a five i gave it a six uh it's all pretty average with the house of barn the woods um but because nothing was necessarily bad i wanted to go a little bit above uh, just a five. Now we go on to acting. Derek, go ahead. Ooh, okay. Here's uh, my uh, acting. Uh, I gave it a six point five. Uh, I like some of the acting better than others. Like I said, I'm not really as harsh on horror movies with acting because I watch a lot of like certain aspects of horror movies that like shot on video that have way worse acting than anything that we're gonna be talking about tonight. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, are you, you know, saying like, the acting in Crazy Fat Ethel isn't Oscar worthy? <laughs> Maybe in some categories, but yeah, I love Crazy Fat Ethel. Don't get me wrong, I like those. I love Sean video movies, but you know, I I rate those a little different than I rate real movies too. So, uh, you know, like the one character I did have a problem with was a. Uh, Chris's uh, main uh, boyfriend there, Rick, the way that he acts sometimes is like, oh, hey, what are you doing? Come on, Chris. You know? Hi, guys. <laughs> you know? That's my car. You broke my car. You don't You don't play fair, do you? <laughs> exactly. You know, it's like he was the main problem. Like the stoner guys are okay because they're playing stoners, you know, and the bikers are bikers, you know. They played their parts well, and Shelly was fucking there to fucking annoy the fuck out of you and annoy everyone else there. So he did his character well. So that's we're all gonna I get back say. together while I wear this flannel shirt and sweater. I could have been with this other blonde whore this weekend, <laughs> but instead I'm pushing hay with you. Woo! And if Woo. I tell you that, it'll help me get in your pants. I'll throw you my wallet. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway, uh, Jay acting. Eight. I thought it was fine. I don't. I'm. Uh, I don't. I guess I don't have as critical a brain as as you guys. I was. None of it really bothered me. 
I thought it was. I thought everyone did a fine job. Okay, Kenneth. I gave it a six. It was alright. You know what? I gave it a six also, and here's my extremely long notes about it. Their acting is meh. Anyway, special effects. Derek, go ahead. <laughs> mm-hmm. SFXX, I gave it a six. Some of the effects, due to like the way that they shot this in 3D, of course, originally kind of looked cheesy, especially when you watch it on Blu-ray. They're very rubbery. It's very noticeable. But some of them are okay. Like uh, Even like the prank ones that Shelly does on himself were pretty okay looking. Like Some of the slits were decent but some of like that like when he rick's eye pops out it's fucking you see like the fucking spring come out <laughs> you know it's just goofy sometimes when you look at, at some of these older films but yeah i gave it a six it's nothing to brag about but some of them are okay in my book okay jay special effects uh i gave it a seven for a lot of the same reasons you could tell that a lot of the camera work and whatnot was set up to be for the 3D with the uh, you know the baseball bat when the kids are playing baseball and all that other shit, and so that kind of them doing that to uh, appease the 3D really took a lot out of what could have been otherwise normal and good, good special effects and kills and stuff. All right, Kenneth. Um, I got the special effects a six, and the I mean they were okay. Uh, there was a couple of things that looked really cool. Like, uh, honestly, I think Shelly's jokes look better than a lot of the special effects. The rest yeah, of the yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, so you know, but other than that, I mean, the the harpoon through the eye, not the act of it going in, but the harpoon in her eye looked good. You know what I'm saying? I thought it did. I have it down as it looked bad. I liked it. I thought it looked good, and the slit on Shelly's throat looked good. You know, when he got killed. But other than that, uh, I'd probably have to say my favorite is when dude gets cut down the middle doing the handstand. Yeah. That's probably my favorite. Well, I gave it a six. Um, I struggled with this one because I was like, I don't know how many points I should take off for the 3D kills. Because I'm sure at the time in theater, those 3D kills really worked for people. Um, But when I went and saw it in 3D in the theater, uh, everything looked terrible. So, I don't know. So, I decided to take points off. Um, the Rick head crush was f- fucking awful. Uh, I thought the Vera eye gouge makeup did not look good. Um, the Chuts split looked a little weird, but the after effects of him up in the ceiling with him split in half and the blood, that looked so good that like five of the points come just from that, and the other one point comes from when they cut off Ollie's hand. So, poor yeah, poor Ollie. Finally get a black guy in here and he's a thug. Uh, <laughs> kills and gore. Go ahead, Derek. You know, like I said, with the gore of this film, it, some of it seems a little robbery, but then there's some kills that are kind of off screen that kind of hurt the movie, too. You know, you like they could have been fucking awesome kills and they cut away too far or don't show some of them, per se. That kind of hurt it like i said it all plays into the special effects too so i just gave that a six also all right jay kills and gore i gave it an eight i thought uh despite the the poor uh effects in some situations that the ideas behind the kills were pretty good um, i like the dude getting folded in half and then being stuffed into the rafters above the chick's hammock i thought that was pretty cool 
Um, he uses the pitchfork a bit in that one. I think he kills two or three people with the pitchfork, right? I know he pins one of them to a wall. That was fun. I think he kills two people with a pitchfork. Okay. But uh, overall, I, I enjoyed the ideas behind them. Whether or not they were executed well is another story. Fair enough. Kenneth, kills and gore. I gave it a seven because the idea behind the cool, behind the kills were inventive to me. Like, you know, the eyeball coming out and stuff like that. You know, I thought I thought the idea was cool, but they just weren't executed well at all. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, that, that, that was probably my biggest gripe is that the idea behind them was good. Fair enough. Uh, I gave it a six. Um, a lot of stuff we've already seen before, but there's stuff that really stands out. Like, though we didn't get to see Fox being killed, her pinned by the neck by the pitchfork, us getting to see that, that was awesome. That is is by far one of my favorite off-screen kills ever. Um, and then another kill that I thought was just really good that probably gets overlooked a lot is the heated fire poker being stabbed through something. That makes me feel things. That makes me feel things I haven't felt in a long time. Yeah, that was one of the, one of the most realistic-looking kills, in my opinion. In reality, you probably wouldn't feel a thing. Well, that makes me feel better about if it ever happened to me. Yeah. But, yeah, in reality, you probably wouldn't feel it. Really? You wouldn't feel the burning? You'd cauterize the nerves as you were going right through, because it's so hot. Huh, okay. You'd feel, you'd have to feel some of it at least. You probably wouldn't feel nothing but the pressure, and then you'd probably feel a little stinging. And then once your organs fucking poison the inside of your body from being damn done like that, you probably, you'd, you'd die before the major pain kicked in. Damn. Okay, well, I've decided New podcast if, idea. If I want to die, uh, heated, heated instrument through the belly. And this is just going to tell us how you would actually get hurt yeah. if Jason tried to kill you. We'll do all the movies and every single Dude, kill. Honestly, that's probably one of my biggest problems with every Friday the 13th movie is that I feel like some of these ways that people just get killed and die instantly, like uh, like uh, the, uh, the biker guy that took the pitchfork through the belly. I honestly do not think that that dude would have died that fast. I don't. Maybe he just passed out. And a lot of times, you know what I'm saying? Like, when they take axes to the face and shit like that, then obviously, yeah, they're probably going to die instantly. But Except Jason, who takes an axe to the face and keeps yeah, going. Yeah. 10,000 He's got that Neanderthal skull. It's really thick, so. <laughs> but, you know, like taking a damn a, a knife to the belly. You probably are not going to die that fast. You're not going to die instantly from a knife to the belly. I feel like this is like the same conversation we had during the Prowler, where where the guy. Well, I mean, that's probably so, but it's one of those things that you just kind of deal with because it's in every single movie. But there's just, I just don't think people will die that quick. I mean, you see, you hear stories on like Rescue 911 of a motherfucker taking a survival knife to the skull, and he lives through it. That's true. (laughs) He puts on a hockey mask and kills uh, teenagers. (laughs) <laughs> yeah okay so uh monster slash killer Derek, what you got gave him a seven uh personally uh ted white and steve dash are better jasons in my opinion but richard booker as jason does a pretty good job he sets up uh the movements with the mask pretty well when he gets the hockey mask and he does okay with the role and i like when he's in the final chase and he comes through that fucking window he's fucking belted in Shit, you know, I like him. You know, it's, he's all right. He's he's okay, Jason, in my opinion, in this one. Uh, you know, like I said, some of the aspects of his makeup are kind of weird looking, per se. It looks more like you would have probably did in part one than you did in part two. 
But overall, he's okay in the role, you know? All right, Jay. Uh, I gave it a nine, and I gave him a nine because he's Jason. And he's this is Jason, like, coming into his full Jasonness with him just using whatever the hell's lying around to kill people. I mean, we get uh, the pitchfork kill, the hot poker kill. Um, pretty sure he uses a machete in there at one point. Um, it's just, it feels like this is the start of our the actual Jason that everybody knows. Plus, it's the movie he gets his mask in. So, that's why I gave it a three. Or a... <laughs> You mean eight? Part three. <laughs> I gave it. That's why I gave him a nine. Oh, nine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was thinking why he, said, he was like, "This is the Jason people come to love and know," and I'm like, "For one more movie, and then he's not in it, and then it becomes undead Jason, and it's a whole new thing." No, but even when he's undead Jason, he's still world. like using whatever's around to kill people. Is kind of what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I feel like he did, he, he did that in part two also. But it was mostly a knife. Like, he killed, like, like three people with that knife. Yeah, because it's what was around. No, he kept it. He killed someone with a spear. I'm Listen, Jim. <laughs> okay. Unfortunately, not a corky screw. Uh, not a corky. Not a corky screw. <laughs> Kenneth, uh, monster killer. I gave it a seven. I mean, it was probably... I mean, it, it, when it, it, it was Jason, but it was probably one of the weaker ones. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I really didn't care for the Jason performance in it. it, it I mean, it was all right. but And I gave it such a high score because it is Jason, but it's just one of the weaker Jasons to me. I gave it a six because besides his mask and the way he moves around all creepy, uh, there's a lot of things I don't like. I don't like that uh, this movie takes place, you know, the next day after part two. They changed his look way too much. Um, he also doesn't, to me, this movie does not have much of a personality. Like, what little bits of personality you get are goofy. Like, when, when he gets hung and he takes off his mask and, like, sticks his tongue out on it and then puts it back. fuck is that? He's like, I, I raped you, bitch. I'm back for more. Yeah, maybe. Oh, maybe that's why he let her go, so we could get some more later. I don't know. <laughs> Finally, that question is answered. Uh, and so I just feel he's a little bland. And also, he shows way too much skin in this movie for me. I don't like slutty ass Jason. Cover your shit up, okay? <laughs> I ain't trying to see all that. This ain't Halloween. Cover your shit I up. Think the hills have eyes. <laughs> yeah, he's just kind of slutty in this movie to me. I don't like it. Uh, Derek, we move on to hero. I gave Chris 7.5. I actually thought she was likable enough. Uh, I liked how she was fighting off against Jason, like throwing hay at him and fucking hanging him and fighting him with a knife and shit. She wasn't afraid to fucking back down like some of the other ones, you know, because of the area. It's smaller, so she has to fucking fight off and more. So I did like that aspect of her. Uh, the things that hurt her for me is like the, you know, the weird fucking backstory with her maybe being molested by Jason, you know. How do we downgrade it from rape to molestation? <laughs> you know, because she kind of wanted it. Okay, I'm pretty sure that you don't downgrade rape to molestation because she kind of wanted it. I think that's exactly how it works. I'm pretty sure that's not how it works. That's the reason why she was waiting underneath the oak tree out there. Didn't My lawyer is lying to me. Yeah, she was lying about her parents. She wanted to get... She was only telling her boyfriend that, so it didn't make her look like a She wanted to get finger-banged by a mongoloid. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man, some people, I guess, just get off on that. (laughs) 
yeah. Uh, okay, anyway, uh, sorry to sidetrack you from your weird comment, but... Um, <laughs> go <laughs> No, that's in the next part of this episode. <laughs> um, okay, so continue. Yeah, that's all I had to say. You know, I liked her enough. She was likable. You know, she, she was okay, final girl. She wasn't, like, one of the best, in my opinion, but she still was enough for me to care about what was going on. I liked how she act against Jason. So, yeah, 7.5. Okay. Uh, uh, Jay, how high did you rate this? I gave her a 7. I oh, thought she was okay. okay. I liked that, uh, like 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 Derek said, I liked that she fought back and stuff, but besides that, she's no Tommy Jarvis. She <laughs> is no Tommy Jarvis, but then again, who is? Uh, speaking of people who are, Kenneth. I gave her a 5, and that was because she put an axe in his fucking head. That was it. Yeah, I, I just thought she was weak. I was just like, okay, yeah, I'm about done with this. It sucks that you didn't die. Yeah, I gave her a, a five. I kind of wanted uh, her to die and the pregnant chick to stay alive. That's right, because the pregnant chick was definitely hotter. That's probably why she died in the beginning. <sighs> anyway, so I, yeah, I gave her a five. I just didn't care for her character at all. Uh, we move on to score slash soundtrack. Derek, what you got? Give it an 8.5. You know, Manfredini scores, once you hear one, you hear them all. But I did like that he changed like the opening theme to this one than the other two. That's why I kind of give this one a little more regard, too, because I like that disco feel in the opening. And it sets up the atmosphere and, you know, like the 3D aspect of it. When you did watch this in 3D, fucking jive and dancing and shit into it. I, I won't lie, I fucking danced. <laughs> I could see I you doing... It. Doing the Mark Patton dance to this. Definitely. I get down on that. I'm going to recreate that later, Kenneth. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Always time to fucking goddamn rub one out. Uh, (laughs) Speaking of rubbing one out, Jay. Uh, You said I wasn't allowed to do that. We didn't have time. Oh, I know. Um, That's why I want to rub it in your face. Yeah. I gave it a nine. I felt, I know I gave the other ones lower scores because they weren't really memorable. I felt this one was more memorable. It had, uh, man, and now that it's been two weeks, <laughs> I'm like, can't remember exactly why I said that. But that's what I wrote down originally. Um, if I remember correctly, this one had more of a, a synthy feel to it, and I really, I was really digging that. Okay, Kenneth. I gave it an eight just because of the disco part of it. The rest of it was generic, just like a normal fucking Friday movie. But it had the disco stuff in it. Though. Yeah, cool. Manfredini's score. Like, if you listen to, like, Swamp Thing, it's just a Jason score, you know? Like, fucking... It's all he does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I gave it a seven. I wanted to give it higher because of that boogie down status. But here's my problem. There are times where they use uh, the soundtrack wrong just wrong uh two incidents uh like like the shopping scene where shelly meets the bikers that music does not fit quit fucking around manfredini oh man i'm sorry i i I dig the the fucking disco part of it man i mean every time i hear it it makes me want to put on a hockey mask and snort coke off some slut at studio 54 (laughs) i mean so like i should if if i could i would raise my score one point just for that statement I mean, because that's something that sounds like I would do in general, like, as, like fucking, uh, like, back in my South Carolina days, just fucking snorting coke in a Jason mask. 100% something I would do. Right. Uh, we move on to scare factor. Derek, go ahead. 6.5. 
you know, some of the jump scares did work for me, even now, but then some of the, like, the reveal shit that happens at the end is kind of goofy now when you look back on it. You know, it's not as a powerful jump scare, like the endings of part two or maybe one, per se, because it's been done to d- again, you know what I mean? It's just kind of glad that they didn't follow suit with the rest of the series after this one. But overall, you know, you know, I still had some of the creepiness with the score and stuff that worked for my liking, you know, so 6.5 out of 10. All right, Jay. Uh, I gave it a six. Uh, pretty much the same reasons. It was, you know, me and being scared. It was just, eh. There was uh, some good good tension during the uh, the final chase scene that I felt warranted the score. But overall, it was just, you know, a standard slasher. Nothing to really be worried about. All right, Kenneth. I gave it a five. Okay, no explanation on that. All right, uh, I gave it a five also. It's, uh, while it does have creepy atmosphere, there's things that, that are done in this movie that just ruin that atmosphere, whether it's really bad special effects for the 3D, or a lot of times when Jason does do something creepy, he also does something really goofy. Like, every time he shows his real face, I'm like, it's not scary. It just looks goofy. It just doesn't work for me. It looks mongoloid. It, it it looks like fucking. It looks like a mon- wait, 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 Yeah, like I that. got it. It looks like a mongoloid is wearing a cheap fucking latex mask from Party uh, City. Uh, it costs like ten bucks. You know yeah. what it really looks like? It looks like if ET banged Sloth and they had a kid together. There you go. Did you know there's an ET the porno? It was made in Germany. Yes, I do. And we had this discussion before. Oh yeah, year. we have, haven't we? I need this in my life. No, you don't. No, it's, it's disturbing. Not in, it's not no. pictures. <laughs> um, that is not uh, something you would see on high quality sites like horrorporn.com. <laughs> you know, it costs forty bucks a month for horrorporn.com. That's why we gotta reach out and get them to sponsor us. Because I was thinking about signing up for them today until I got to that page and I was just like, man, that's I mean, a they good put chunk out high quality stuff. They do, but it's like, I, I think how many times am I gonna beat off to you know female pinhead? Oh, they got one with a killer <laughs> vagina right now. <laughs> Killer vagina, okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, entertainment. Derek, go ahead. Entertainment. This is kind of shocking the way that it goes, but I highly enjoyed this one, so I, I still give it an 8 out of 10. Like I said, I do have faults with it, but they're not enough to keep me engaged in the story and stuff, because maybe because of the pacing that I didn't say. I didn't really have a problem with the pacing over this one for some weird reason. That's just me, though. That I enjoyed this one for what it is, so I give it still an eight. You know, it has some fun, goofy shit in it too that makes me laugh, like fucking uh, Shelly and shit. I, I I like Shelly; he's fucking funny because he, he's he's kind of like Shelly is a, like, you with an afro. Definitely, you know. And I like the fucking whole beginning scene with the two fucking couples, and he's just fucking runs factory, sees a rat, and takes his shit out of nowhere. <laughs> I'm like, fucking, what the fuck is going on? I'm just laughing at stupid shit. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Jay, entertainment. Seven. I thought it was uh, entertaining enough. I liked the kills. I liked the Jason. Uh, I agree with Derek. Shelley is actually one of my favorite Friday the 13th characters in general out of the whole series. I've always really enjoyed him, so... I gave it a seven. Kenneth. I gave it a four. It's all right. Uh, if I saw it on TV, I might watch about 20 minutes of it before I cut it off. So, yeah, I gave it a four. 
I also gave it a four. Just something about this movie. I am always bored during this movie. I just, I just am bored. Uh, now we go to rewatchability. Derek, where you at? Like I said, for this one, for me, it's like actually in my uh, top five Friday films. So I give it like an eight. I still watch this one from time to time, but I will still watch some of the other ones that are more in my top five, more than this one. This is one that I like to watch with like a group of people. This one works better for me in that aspect of it. Because of, you know, the weird disco music and shit. And just to, you know, it has a more of a basic slasher setting than a camp. Like, those cabins are my thing. Like, sorority rows. I like little locations more than big locations. Because, you know, the story kind of d- develops better for me personally. So I gave it an 8. All right, Jay. Uh, I gave it a 7. I could watch this one more than 2. Um... I'd probably put one higher than this. Now that I'm rewatching them, I'm kind of reordering them. This one used to be pretty high, but I'd probably put one higher than it. But I'd watch it more than two, so I gave it a seven. All right, Kenneth. I gave it a four. The same reason as the entertainment. I mean, it's just me like... too. Yeah, I gave it a four. Also, that it's a no for me. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Uh, just there's just not much of a reason for me to rewatch. I mean, this. it's my it's my second least favorite out of the entire series. So I mean, it's like I don't watch this one very often, and it's it's pretty boring. So yeah, yeah, I'm I'm 100% with you on there. So we move on to our uh, last thing, which is pop culture. Derek, take it away. Gay pop culture nine, just for one reason, one reason alone. I think people should see how Jason got his iconic look still, and this is the one. This is his iconic look, the hockey mask. This is the film that started his iconic look it wasn't the hockey you know the sack head this is the way that we all remember jason with the hockey mask this is the same reason it's just the start of an iconic figure that that he would become you know what i mean so i still think that people should still see it and know that everyone pop knowledge which movie that jason got his hockey mask in part three yep um jay what do you got i gave it an eight same reasons it's the one he gets his mask in uh, that's that's our iconic face. We were talking about this in one of our groups the other day that Jason is kind of the face of slashers and it's a face covered by a hockey mask and he gets that hockey mask in this movie. So, All right. Kenneth. You gave it a 9 for the mask. Okay, I gave it a 10 for the mask. I thought it's like the, the series is represented now by that mask and I'm kind of shocked everyone didn't give it a 10. I can't think of another thing in this series that is more iconic in pop culture for Jason than his mask. The only reason why... I but it's the entirety of the movie, not just the one okay, thing. Hold, so Jay, all of the points... Yep. Literally, Kenneth was talking. Oh, sorry. <laughs> hold on. The only reason why I did not give it a 10 was just simply because of the fact that I wonder outside of horror fans how many people could tell you which movie he got his mask in. That's a valid point. Jay, what was your point? Uh, just that they know the mask, but they may, they don't they don't know anything else about the movie. The popularity comes from him having the mask. But if you were to ask them to tell you the plot of part three, even the ones who know that's where he gets his mask, they probably wouldn't be able to. It's we're rating the whole movie, not just him having the mask. In so my you, opinion. So yeah, that's pretty much Jay just pretty much extended out what I yeah, just said. Yeah, that's yeah. the only other reason. Yeah, like, so. They probably wouldn't know who who he got his mask from unless you were like a diehard horror fan or. 
exactly the same reasons they they would just know that this is the one where he did get his mask. That's valid, but as I said in Friday the 13th Part 2, there were certain things started in that, like throwing someone through a window uh, or Jason jumping through a window that become iconic in the series. And since it came from that movie, I had to give it extra points for that. So I'm going to stick with that logic, and I, I, I still feel very comfortable with my 10. Well, even with your logic, I mean, that's still the reason why I gave it a 9. I mean, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I mean, his hockey mask is one of the most iconic things. It's just that normal, everyday people probably don't know that Friday the 13th Part 3 is which one he got it in. And so it just takes one point off, and that's it. I'm sure. I can see the ghost face killer calling someone and being like, which movie did Jason get his mask in? Right. Friday the 13th, I've seen it a million times. Wrong, bitch. I can see that. Okay, so uh, that breaks down our scores to I gave it a 91. Kenneth came in at the lowest with an 87. Jay came in the highest with 112. And Derek came in at 109. So, I mean, two scores over 100, two scores under 100. You definitely tell uh, where we all lie on that. So next we will get into A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, The Dream Warriors. All right, so A Nightmare on Elm Street uh, Part 3, Dream Warriors. We're starting with story. I gave it a 7. The story is actually good, uh, but the execution isn't fully there for me. Um, like, one, it's kind of a huge stretch that all the last kids of the Elm Street Parent Murder Club all ended up here <laughs> at, at this facility. Uh, like, I don't know. It just, it just seems very weird to me. Um... But all in all, it does have a good story, even if I, I don't feel like it executes it personally. Um, but way better than what I just watched uh, with Friday. So, Kenneth. I gave it a seven. I mean, I thought it was good for what it was. I mean, again, I'm with you. I mean, I think there are some things that could have been tweaked to make it just a little bit more interesting. But overall, the idea behind it of, you know, Freddie having all these people together at one place and all that, I think I thought it was good. Yeah, okay. Jay. Uh, I gave it an eight. I thought the story was good. Uh, like I said last episode, I really would have liked it if they had made the kids in the mental hospital the survivors from the pool massacre in part two. I think that would have been a perfect way to just combine all of the movies together. Um, but get what we get. They just happen to be the last of the kids. Um, it kind of makes sense that they're all in the hospital, though, because they all live in the same area and they're all having the same quote-unquote mental issue so i can i can forgive that a little bit yeah here's my problem uh with that is one of the girls the punk rock girl she is not in there uh for mental she is in there because she is court ordered to either go there or juve or the juvenile hall oh good point good uh, point uh and and also uh historically um in the black culture you are not allowed to admit uh, mental problems. It is not something that is done, especially in the 80s. Uh, Kincaid most likely would have never been put there, and he most likely would have been in jail if he had anger issues, just because of this the system that is the 80s. So I don't I don't feel like those two sh- should have shown up there. Um, the other ones I can kind of understand. Um, I can see a parent putting their daughter in there because she burns herself, and another one putting you know, their son in there because he just decided to just stop talking. So, like, those I get, but some I just don't feel, I don't feel, I feel are very big stretches. 
So I, I don't know. That's fair. Okay. Uh, Derek, story. Story. Well, this is going to be shocking. I gave it a nine. I actually really love the story of this one. Like, some of the issues that I did have, one major issue, I didn't really have a problem with the kids, but the one little stretch is that the one doctor that ends up coming to this hospital is the survivor from part one. That's kind of like a convenient writing for me, personally. I had this problem issue with uh, other films in the past that I covered on other podcasts. Yeah, and that's something they could have easily fixed. They could have easily shown her pulling strings to get put there or something. Yeah. You know? But overall, I didn't mind that the, all the kids were there, even for various reasons. How do we know that uh, Taryn's drug abuse wasn't caused by the dreams? You know what I mean? We don't. They don't really dig into that much, but... Yeah, but if you're using that excuse, then I can go just because they don't tell you that Nancy pulled strings to get there. Like, you're like you're going and yeah. finding stuff that's not in the movie to try to make the movie make sense. Well, her mom's dead, her dad's a drunk, so I imagine they won't be able to pay for her to go to an Ivy League school, so she probably went to community college, and because she went to community college to become some form of psychologist or whatever to do studies in this, even if she was in top of her class, Weston Hills was probably the only psychiatric center that was nearby, so therefore that's probably why she ended up as the only one that was nearby. Fair that enough. makes sense. And to have, I they can't have all the kids nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could change my score now. <laughs> Thank you, Kenneth. Yeah. Yeah, so I gave it a nine. I, I, I enjoy the story. It's well written, too, by Frank Darabont and uh, the director, Chuck Russell, of course, did the Blob remake that you guys covered. Yeah, that Blob remake is is way better than this movie. Uh, I'm probably... I agree. I, yeah, but okay. <laughs> uh, I don't expect many people to agree with me. All right, we move on to character development. Uh, I gave it an 8. The movie actually does a great job of developing the characters, helping you learn their backstory and who they are now. Uh, there are some times where I don't understand. Why does the mute kid have a teardrop on his eye? <laughs> who did he kill? Like, you, as you get one of those by killing someone, you get a teardrop. It's gangster world. It's like if you walked up to a priest and they had a bunch of little pacifiers tattooed on the face. Shows how many children they fucked. You know? <laughs> and so why does he have why does he have a teardrop tattoo? Now, Kenneth, I brought this up to you earlier. <laughs> and you mentioned something about the actor actually has that tattoo. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> can you talk over there? That's <laughs> such a fucked up joke, man. What joke? The pacifiers on the face. That's so fucked That's up. That's not a joke. They just use concealer to hide it. That's <laughs> still fucked up. When they give oh masks. Uh, <laughs> well, you said uh, in the in the Elm Street uh, Never Sleep Again documentary, he's in there and he has that tattoo on his face. Mm-hmm. So, so apparently the actor just has that tattoo. And they were like, no, leave it. This kid who obviously is mute because he used to be in a debate club definitely murdered someone. Hey, man, that may be why he's there. I can't remember why they said he was there. Uh, I, I think it was something from Distress from Debate Club or some shit. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought they did a good job. Uh, Kenneth? Uh, I gave it a seven. I mean, I thought the characters were pretty good. They There were uh, there were things that could have been added for their backstories or something like that to flesh them out a little bit more, kind of like what Derek was saying earlier. But other than that, I mean, overall, it was pretty good. You got the basis for each one and what they and what the type of person they were and stuff like that, and that actually goes even further later on when you start seeing their powers, you know what I'm saying? So it kind of just evolves throughout them. So, yeah, I, I gave it a 7. It's pretty good. All right, Jay. 
Uh, I gave it a nine. I gave it a nine because I really liked all the characters. I thought um, they're that we got that small scene of exposition where uh, Morpheus is introducing Nancy to all the kids and they get okay, Morpheus. Morpheus. Okay, the yeah. rule is you uh, also, do not talk about a about worse that. movie. If you watch the opening credits, his name is Larry Fishburne, so it's before he changed it to Lawrence and yeah. started going by that. All right, Jay, the rule is you don't reference a worse movie while talking about another movie. I will kill you. Okay. Anyway... We got the exposition out of the way really quickly and in a way that makes sense for the story because there's a lot of times where the story writers don't have the ability to uh, to give us good exposition and they just kind of dump it on us. And this at least made sense. He's being introduced to all – she's being introduced to all the, all the patients and he's rattling off all their issues. Um, so I thought that was done really well. That plays into how Freddy kills them later down the line. So it worked really well, I thought. And I just – being a mental patient myself – at times in my life, I, I sympathized and connected with these guys a lot more than other horror movie victims. Fair enough. Derek? 8.5 I gave for a character development. Like I said, you know, even though some of the characters that we don't get to see, like, all their backstories, they do give a little hints, like the one girl that was burned the cigarettes on her arm. She wanted to be, like, a TV star. I did, like, that aspect. The one kid liked to do, like, a pottery like make puppets and shit but he has to make them out of certain other woods because he used to be a cutter or something or they're afraid he's going to cut himself and he's a walker and you know they give a little enough there that, with their backstories that makes me care about them and one character that I really like in this movie is the, the development of Dr. Gordon because he comes as a skeptic to fucking believe in this shit through the movie you know what I mean He's I just love his reaction through the whole movie like Oh, I think you like when Nancy's given that monologue. Oh, you sound like Peter Pan. <laughs> fucking, I was dying laughing at that scene. But fucking, then he starts believing in shit and he goes and fucking does what he does at the end of the movie, you know? So I really like the development of this one. All right, we move into pacing and editing. I want to throw this out there at you and see how I- any of y'all feel. Think about it, though, okay? They're in a mental institution because they are mental patients. But if you look at this story and what they're going through, technically, they don't really have mental problems. They're dealing with things about Freddy. Exactly. Yeah. But Cause that's, think, cause they're presenting th- as mental problems in regular world. Right. But the thing about it is, is that it's not though. They don't have. They don't. They don't have mental problems. Like what's her uh, uh, the main character, Patricia Arquette's character? She didn't really try to kill herself. It just looked that's like true. she did. She and, she and and she was sleep deprived because she didn't want to go to sleep because of Freddie. Damn, the only person that seems like they've got a legit problem is the drug addict girl because every other one. Though you could say she is, was probably taking the drugs to not have to deal with Freddie. You could, and so that's another one right there. So think about it. Each one of these people, the reason why they're there is because of Freddie, not because they actually have a genuine mental problem. What about? Do, do they ever say why Kincaid is actually in there? No. Because I just always assumed it was anger problems. Anger issues. Maybe. But he might be the same thing, you know, lashing out. Well, he's probably, yeah, he's probably lashing out because no one fucking believes him, you know, because they all think they're... Okay, fair enough. So, I mean, that does bring up an interesting way of looking at it. It does, but I'll say that's inferior to relating the mental problems of part two and how it does it. 
it's I not suppose. as good. What made me think about that is when Jay said that he related to him because they had mental issues because he's had mental issues in his life. Mental patience. Mental patience. But that that that's what made me think about that. However you re- phrased it, Jay, is what made me think about that. So, that's Jay, fair. you don't have mental problems. You just have to deal with Freddy Krueger. Right. You it's need to take true. care of him. It's man. just a dream demon. Yeah, just go that's fucking... That's it. Bipolar salt. Yeah, go fucking fight Hell him, you yeah, pussy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Pacing and editing. Uh, this movie started off moving and, and kept going all the way through. And I really cannot blame my waning interest as the movie continues on the pacing and editing, so I didn't want to go any lower than a 7. Kenneth? I gave it an 8. I thought it moved pretty quick. I mean, once everything got going, and it didn't take long for it to get going, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it, it, everything moved along pretty good, and when it didn't have, when you didn't have your killer stuff going on, the, the stuff to flesh out the storyline with Nancy and everything else like that was pretty, was pretty steady. So, I gave it a, I gave it an eight. I thought it was good. Okay, Jay. I gave the pacing a nine. I, 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 I know I'm, I'm a little biased when it comes to this movie. I honestly tried to watch it as unbiasedly as possible, but the fact that I'm not as critical in general as a lot of people who review movies, and the fact that it's one of my favorite movies of all time, it's in my top ten favorite movies of all time, and it's my number one favorite horror movie of all time. So, I. Take my scores with a small grain of salt. <laughs> um, but I didn't feel like there was any issues. I felt it it, it goes and it goes and it goes, and it's just everything is is very well paced. Okay, Derek. I'll give it an eight also. Uh, like, it, yeah, it, it moves by, you know. It it's You get there to the hospital very quickly, and then you get Nancy and the kids together, and then it goes bang, bang, kill, kill, kill. There's stuff that's happening within it. it Keeps you interested enough, and I think it's very well edited. Probably one of the more well edited of the franchise, to be honest. Uh, it's a very well made uh, editing for an Elm Street film. So, eight. Yeah, okay. I definitely probably should have came in higher on that one, honestly. But That's we okay, buddy. In, uh, if the movie was better, I would have. You know what I'm saying, Jay? Uh, we yeah. move on to atmosphere. I gave atmosphere a five because, unfortunately, the creepy atmosphere they build up in the beginning of the movie with uh, Patricia Arquette's character in the house completely gets ruined by the goofiness that starts in the middle of the movie and finishes it out. It it just ruins any creepiness this movie could have had. Um, so I'm coming in low with a five, Kenneth. I gave the atmosphere a seven. Because I did find more, a lot more things in this one having the the creepy moments, like what you were talking about about the house in the beginning. You know, I found that to be creepy. I thought the the part where he puppeted the dude that went and killed himself jumping out of the window that was just creepy as fuck. I mean, I, I mean, just watching it, I was just like, and and then it, it was just it was just fucked up. Yeah, but then they like all of that's great, and then they ruin it. Right at the point where they all have their first uh, hypnotized session, from that point on, they ruin all creepiness to me. It gets it gets too so. goofy. I still don't think so because I think when uh, when uh, they went to the junkyard at the end of it, the whole junkyard thing, you know, uh, aside from you know going back and forth about how the skeleton and everything looked. But that, I thought that was creepy too. I thought the atmosphere of the junkyard was really, really good. Yeah, and yeah. then it gets it gets ruined again by taking it 
back to the dream world and fucking mute dude screaming. That's his power. His power is screaming. Yeah, but we, yeah, but Sonic screaming like uh, Banshee from X Men. Yeah, but or Bruce Campbell in uh, Sky High. Jerry and I fucking touched on this a little bit earlier when we were watching the movie. That damn the whole thing with him screaming is just like how the fuck can you talk in your dream but you can't talk in the real world when there's nothing wrong with your voice box in the real world other than you're choosing not to talk. Yeah, it's not no, the same man, equivalency. Mutes. People who as... are actually mute don't don't choose not to talk. He's it's not mute. Mentally... They, they explain in the movie he is not mute. He used to be in debate club. He is choosing not to talk. Yeah, no, you can choice. go from being able to talk to being a mute. You don't you're not you don't have to be born that way. It's that like you suffer a traumatic experience. It can happen. Like that's an actual thing that happens to people. I'm going to have to Google that because I, I don't think that classifies you as a mute, though. Okay, well, maybe I'm using the wrong term, but you can have a mental trauma that causes you to not yeah, but like, then, be able to get over the, and if that the be anxiety the case, of speaking. Yeah, but if that be the case, then how come the same thing? I mean, that just doesn't hold up to me because he would be the same way in his dreams. How could that be his power? He'd still be just as anxious in his dream about not wanting to damn open his mouth. You know what I'm saying? It's not but, like Kincaid. No, but he can who, talk it, after that. Yeah, but, but but still, I mean, you know, it's just one that I just didn't well, like. Well, here's like the it. thing. So, so he gets, he becomes non-talkative because of some stress in his life. Um, I think they try to say it's from the debate club. And in the dream world, he cannot talk until another stressful situation is pushed onto him. And he has to do it. And to me, that does not work. Well, it depends but, but listen, if he's with listen. other people that he hasn't talked to before either. Still, like in the in his actual dreams, he could be talking to imaginary people. You know, but what he I mean? doesn't talk. He we see him in dream world, and he does not but, talk. Yes, but, no, but, but he doesn't know he's in dream world then because he was hit. Pretty sure, too. pretty sure he knows he's in dream world when he's tied to Let a fucking hell's pit with point. tongues. Well, he had tongue thing on his lips too, so he couldn't really talk. Okay, what's your point, Jay? From the point that he screams and discovers his dream power. He's able to talk in both the real world and the dream world just fine. He gets over his problem at that exact point. What does that have to do with what we're talking about? Because you said, how come he can talk in the dream world but not in the real world? I'm saying from that point on, from the point he gets his ability, he is able to talk normally in both the real world and the dream world. Yeah, but, but we're talking about he's choosing not to talk in the real world. Then he, and in the dream world, he also does not talk until a stressful situation is put onto him, and then he can talk. We agree with you there. It just doesn't make sense to us that that's what they're choosing. We're saying that his dream world power is weak as shit. A lot of their dream world powers are fucking just weak as shit. It is poor writing. Yeah, but see, even at that, even if you take past the part of it just being weak in general, I mean, look at everybody else's power inside inside the dream world. I mean, you got Kincaid who's strong. You got uh, the the drug addict chick who's supposed to be a badass, and and it's really weak. But you got her who's supposed to be a badass. You got the little wizard boy. You got the chick that brings. <laughs> you got the chick that brings fucking damn uh, other people into her dream. Even when that person's dream. not sleeping. Yeah, even even when the which makes no fucking sense to me. But my point is, is that each one of these people have got this fucking. I I, I can't think of the word, but it's like it's a, it's an it's a power outside of themselves or whatever. And all he does is he gets his. But even then, Kincaid is strong in real life. 
And he's just a little bit stronger in the dream world. Well, he can't bend a chair in real life. Yeah, but he's still a strong dude. But in the dream world, he's just a little bit stronger. That's weak as fuck. The fucking cripple kid being able to walk again, that's actually pretty good. But then it's ruined by his fucking uh, Tom Hanks and fucking Mazes and Monsters uh, thing. Uh, I disagree because, you know, it's the way that Freddy is in this one because he's getting stronger too because of taking all these kids' powers and souls too. That are making him stronger. So maybe if he didn't wasn't as strong with all the souls that are in him already, maybe one of them could take him out. I don't know, man. Because I just I, I just look at that whole that whole thing, and I'm just like, I don't know. And 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 the same thing, you know, going back to the wizard boy, him being able to walk, you know, that's fine. But I don't know. I just think in that situation, I don't know. I just expected a little more. But other than that, I yeah, mean, he's the only one that gives himself an actual magical ability, and he can't beat Freddy. I in think fact, it's because he's still stuck in a board game instead of fucking bringing yeah. something. And form. to be fair, none of the Dream World Dream Warriors beat Freddy. All of them are fucking useless. None of them do it. Freddy gets beaten in the world world by the power of Christianity. So <laughs> uh, this whole movie is 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 basically about how. Uh, the only one who can save you from these demons is Jesus Christ and God. And anyone who thinks otherwise and thinks they can do it with an inner strength that they think they have, they're wrong. Because no one beats Freddy in this movie except for the guy who throws holy water on his fucking bones, buries it, bless it with a cross because he's listening to a nun. Because I don't care what anyone says, Nancy's stabbing him at the end with his claws in his chest. That did not hurt Freddy because Freddy got impaled earlier on. You can't just change the rules. And I don't give a fuck about, oh, it was symbolic. No, it's not symbolic that Nancy... He's shown that he can take a pole. He can take pole very well. He is the best pole taker in the slasher world. Okay? (laughs) So get the fuck out of here. Uh, I gave Atmosphere an 8, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Jay. Uh, (laughs) Um... I gave it an 8 because of the real-world atmosphere. Uh, I have legitimately been inside of a psych ward uh, for an extended period of time, and they fucking nailed it. I'd give that more to scenery set design than atmosphere. No, no, that too. But I'm just saying the atmosphere of the the psych ward was was good. And I also found the dream stuff super creepy too, but that's just me. Okay, Derek. I also gave it an 8. I love the atmosphere in this one. Just the ooziness of the beginning scene with the smoke and fog that doesn't really come back until the junkyard scene. But I really like like the boiler room set design and stuff where you see like the atmosphere of the heat coming off of it. It really sets the tone of the final battle that's going to happen. Yeah, so I give it eight. Yeah, the final battle that does nothing. That doesn't matter if they do nothing because <laughs> they're just fighting back until they could. I'm just saying, this is literally, I used to call this the Harry Potter thing, where the main character ended up doing absolutely nothing to beat the main villain, and it was someone else who did it. Now I'm going to call it the Dream Warrior thing. Yeah, it's whatever, man. Yeah, it's an 8. I give it an 8. We move on to scenery and set design. I gave this a 9. Between the hospital and the dream world, uh, and then the inside of Nancy's house, everything is dope. Everything is done perfect uh scenery and set design so there's uh, the only reason i just don't give it a 10 is because 
I guess I kind of expect Nightmare on Elm Street to do this. And at no point am I ever like, wow. Like, it's just kind of standard for them. I don't, like... So I, I, I can see someone giving this a 10, though. But I, I'm sticking with my 9. Kenneth? Give it a 9 also. The fucking sets were amazing. Um, I love the junkyard. Uh, the the Freddy Krueger's lair, boiler room slash whatever looked awesome. Especially if you look closely, there's damn bones everywhere. Like, there's skeletons inside the walls. If you look down inside the the hole where fucking what's-his-name is tongued up. Did you look? Are, are they adult skeletons or child no, skeletons? because, like, when you look in the furnace, yeah. you know that's burning back there? They're child skulls. Ah, okay. That's that's a neat... That's a good touch right there, because I would have been kind of pissed if you would have been like, no, they're regular adult size. I'd be like, okay, he didn't... He, doesn't, he, he wasn't going around killing adults. He went and bought those at fucking Party City and just threw them down there to look cool. Yeah, I mean, it was... It, the sets were really good. Well, that's dope. I'll, I, I, I like that then. Uh, Jay? Uh, nine. Uh, for the same reasons that I gave Atmosphere an eight. Um, again, they nailed the fucking psych ward. Um, the the boiler room, the house, the junkyard, like every... I'm just going to echo <laughs> what okay. you guys are saying. So, yeah, nine or eight, yeah, whatever I'm, I said. Yeah, I'm also at a nine. Okay, nine all reasons. around. Has that happened for? Have we all rated the same category, the same thing before? Mm. We have? Okay. I'm oh. sure on a episode of Horror Coliseum, I don't know about this episode. Well, no, no, obviously not this episode. I'd remember if we did it on this episode. I'm I think dumb. we come I'm in that somewhere dumb. with the same score and fucking when we did the twos. Okay. All right, we move on to acting. Uh, I gave this a six, six because all six. Uh, all the acting uh, is good, but it's ruined by how bad of an actress Heather Linkenkamp is. I, I, <laughs> I really would have taken off more if it wasn't for everyone else being so good. Heather Linkenkamp is a terrible actress. She is terrible in Nightmare 1. She is terrible in Nightmare 3. I fucking can't. I can't. I just can't. She's awful. Kenneth. I give it a six also. I mean, you know, like I said, the characters were fleshed out really well, but the acting just was not that great. Yeah, Heather couldn't even fucking die in Dream World with her mouth shut. I, well, you know, the whole time I look at her, I just think about putting my dick in her mouth, and it'd be fairly easy to do. <laughs> yeah, but she'd probably be bad at acting like she enjoyed that also. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay. Uh, I gave the acting an eight. Uh, Nancy is better than she was in the first one. Um, she's not perfect, of course, but everyone else was really good. So I, uh, yeah, that's where it landed for me. I think I the also, only reason. Okay. I think the only reason people think she's better in this one is because she gets less camera time. That's it's that's a possibility. It'll be really interesting to see. Uh, what happens when it comes to New Nightmare? That's true, because if she ain't learned how to act better in 10 years, I'm going to have a real problem. Uh, Derek, acting. I also gave the acting an 8. I have no problem with the acting in this movie. Like I said before, though, I watch movies with way shittier acting than this one, and the acting in this one, the they're believable as the characters that they're portraying, even Heather Landenkamp, who I actually enjoy in part one also. And... I always enjoyed Heather. She's one of my favorite screen queens. Uh, I really enjoyed the acting. Like Kincaid, actually, a few, I think, same year, maybe he was in a Sean video film called Death by Dialogue, uh, Ken Segos. He was okay in that. He was one of the better actors in that film. 
uh, he's believable as Kincaid. They're all believable in their roles. Uh, Jennifer Rubin, of course, played Taryn. She was believable. She was acting all sketchy and shit, like wanting drugs and shit, <laughs> you know. But overall, yeah, 8 out of 10 for me. Man, you brought up the the Taryn chick, and it's just like that scene where she's uh, where where the uh, the orderly with the keys comes up and and you know is trying to get her to come and get fucked up and whatever else. I just did not believe it from her end. I believed it from him. He looked like he was that creepy fucking dude, but from her end, I just didn't believe it. You know what I'm saying? Especially when she like yells out that "fuck off." I was just like, man, that fu- man, that was weak. That was fucking weak. It's actually it's actually weird because she actually plays a killer character similar in a movie called Bad Dreams, which is kind of a Dream Warriors ripoff. If you guys did you guys ever see that one? No, no but now I need to. I heard about it. Though. I've never seen it, but now that you said it's a Dream Warriors ripoff, I probably won't. Oh, it's fucking awesome! Richard Lynch is killing people. Fuck Richard Lynch! Who gives a shit? Of, not no one knows who Richard Lynch is. I don't. On the, on the on the twenty two shots. They don't know. To, Moods knows. No one else knows. Everyone knows who Richard Lynch is in the horror genre. Kenneth, I don't. Who is Richard Lynch? I'm gonna. Look I know him who up. he is now. Because you googled it, didn't you? Yeah. God damn it. Anyway, okay. Special effects. I gave the special effects an eight. Uh, with the shadow being Philip's vain puppetry, that was just absolutely amazing. Uh, unfortunately, when it comes to the skeleton. The skeletons and Jason and the Argonauts look better now than this does. Um, and those were in fucking daylight. Um, but the special effects in the movie are very solid. I'm sure y'all will go into more, so I just really wanted to shout out the, the puppetry one. Uh, Kenneth, special effects. I give it a nine. I thought the special effects were awesome. Um, you know, I like the way that Freddy looked. You know, I like the way they did his face. I thought that was pretty good. Um, the scene with the fucking big worm that, you know, if if you watch the documentaries, originally looked like a penis. Um, that one was, I thought Freddy that one was penis. really good. Especially when you see it, like, eating her. You know what I'm saying? I thought that was good. Uh, those were really awesome. The fucking, the holes in, the, in her arms, you know, that look like mouths. Yeah, those were creepy. Yeah. That, yeah. Was, that was pretty insane. Um, the chick going into the TV was great. I mean, that was oh, so yeah. good. Just all those kills get ruined for me because they do some dumb shit like uh, Taryn with Freddy going, let's get high. I'm just like, that just doesn't look right to me. I don't like one-line Freddy. I don't. I, I, I don't like the primetime bitch. I, I don't. I'm just like, ugh. Oh, that's classic. I love the welcome to primetime bitch. I, I just don't like it. I think that's part of the reason why I've never been able to get into Nightmare on Officer. I don't. I don't like the, his one-liners. And I like the little puppet. The little puppet that turned Oh, that was that was easily one of the best parts in the movie. Yeah, that was really good. I like I wish they'd actually done more with Puppet Freddy than just have him, you know, cut himself down. Yeah, can and we walk get a can we bed. get a, a, a puppet master uh Nightmare on Elm Street crossover? Can we get Andrew cool. Toulon creating Freddy as a puppet? That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> but like I'd I said, I mean he just walks to the end of the bed and he grows. That that's it. The puppet really doesn't do anything other than cut himself down, and I'm just kinda like, oh, you could have done so much with that. Yeah, yeah, but that stop motion takes a lot of fucking time. I don't give yeah. a fuck. They did a they did a lot of that skeleton, and that skeleton did not look anywhere near as good as that puppet did. It's like I don't care, man. You know, it's just like okay, let's uh, let's uh, you know, get rid of the stuff or cut the stuff down that looks really, really good, and spend more time on shit that doesn't look as good. Let's 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 do that. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, Jay, special effects. Uh, nine. 
Kenneth said everything I was going to say. I I loved every the only effect that was not very good uh, was the skeleton at the end, and even then it was you know it was still okay, but uh, everything else was just phenomenal and it looked gorgeous and they hit what they were trying to get at and everything was executed really well. All right, Derek. Give it a nine also for the same reasons. Everything else is great. Like the giant worm Freddy made by uh, Mark Strushman who worked on uh, From Beyond and Reanimator. He, he does a lot of those type of effects if you've seen those movies. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing effects. Uh, the one thing that I do say is uh, the skeleton is a very clunky looking. The only thing I can say about it, and I brought this up to Jerry earlier the other day, is that I think that if you saw the skeleton thing being projected by film back in the day, I think it would have looked fucking superb. And I think it would still look superb if we saw it in that type of medium now. You know what I'm saying? Versus the fact that most of the stuff that we watch nowadays is fucking, you know, on on rich people's 4K TVs and Blu-ray players. (laughs) Fuck yourself. Just because I said... That you can really tell how bad he looks on my 4K TV with my 4K player compared to, to your 1080. Because then you got to start throwing around insults. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. I totally do. You know, but we'll, 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 you know, we'll put it in just on that scene when we get to your house Friday or Saturday. And I want to see how awesome it looks. I'll show you. <laughs> you know, and then after Fucker. you go to bed, I'm going to put on some porn on that TV and see how good it looks. I don't have any 4K porn. I'll send you some porn. Something. (laughs) Okay. Uh, With that, we move on to kills in gore. Uh, I gave it a six because you know what? The only actual gory one is the vein scene. Most all of the other ones have little to no gore, and uh, most of the other kill scenes in this movie are, are pretty weak, in my opinion. Um, they're not as creative as some of the ones you've seen before. Um, the, I guess the only one that even comes close is her getting her head put through the TV as creative. But uh, there's a lot of just let me just stab you and that's it. I mean, even with Taryn's death, technically it's off screen. If she if he made her overdose, you, you don't overdose and die immediately. It takes a little bit to kick in. I don't know what you're overdosing with. I... That's true. I don't know what kind of weird Freddy semen he put in there. I mean, it's enough to make her veins start bulging out of her fucking yeah. head and shit like Fair that. Fair enough. Good <laughs> and I have never seen a heroin addict do that when they go into the fucking hole. <laughs> you know <laughs> Exactly. So, I, to me, uh, the, what, how many people, six deaths in here? Two, two of them are, are really good. One of them's okay. And the other ones are just all right at best. If not boring. Um, so, Kenneth. Nine. Nine. Okay, explain this to me. I got the kills of nine. I thought they were good. I thought they were creative for what they were. You know what I'm saying? Like, as a matter of fact, the, uh, the, 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 the chick going into the TV is about to happen right now oh, on I'm our so TV. I'm so glad I can't see that. Uh, damn. So, I thought that one was great. I thought the idea behind that was great. You know, um, I thought that one was good. I thought Taryn's death was good. I thought the puppet death was fucking awesome. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and granted, I'll give you credit that the go- the gore part of it really wasn't there. But, you know, that uh, I thought that kill was good. I loved how Nancy went out 
because Freddie finally utilized the love of somebody else in this one, which I thought was It was awesome. a good trap, but then he just kills her the basic way. Right, but but still, you got I'm so, I'm taking into consideration the lead up and the entrapment. Okay, so good setup then complete letdown on the actual kill. No, I thought it was could've all good together. Bit, I mean, made I think, it to where I she could have never had an open case cat. I think that if something that if something insane had happened to her, like her fucking head would have exploded or something like that, I probably would have found that more weak considering the background between them. That's true. I think I'd give you that. Yeah. I think it'd be just too much. You know what I'm saying? The only thing that I wish is I wish more people had died in the movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't see why there were three survivors at the end of it. Friday, I mean, Friday 13th is known for killing off everyone. Nightmare on Elm Street always has low a low kill count. So, I mean, that's probably my biggest problem is that so many people survive. Yeah. Uh, Jay? Uh, I gave them a nine. I thought they were all... They took the, uh, the fears and the kids' issues that are presented at the beginning of the movie and just totally turns them into awesome inventive kills. Uh, you don't like the one-liners. I well, find them kind of hilarious. They're cheesy. I can only think they're kind of, of funny. I can only what? think of two people who die by the fears that you learn in the beginning of the movie, and that would be Taryn and then the, the bitch with the blonde hair with the TV. And Anybody then the else? other kid is killed by his wheelchair or attacked by his wheelchair. No, he is stabbed to death by Freddy. He is not killed by the wheelchair. Mm-hmm. He is thrown back to the ground to the wheelchair, but then he comes right back up with his wizard powers. Yeah, I know I that love for wizard a fact, powers. because in the, doc, in the documentary, he explains that fucking Freddy's glove wouldn't retract, so they had to put a 2 by 4 right there, and he was afraid that Freddy was going to miss the 2 by 4 Yeah, so <laughs> so I, there's two deaths that play on well, that, but the other ones I don't it feel It involved do. his fears, is what I, you know, come on. I don't, don't take I me so long. No, I don't think it I involved can't. fears. I think it involved it, that it was more on what you were into. Like the chick was into TV, so she died by TV. The kid was into puppets, so he died by puppets. By being puppet. Okay. So it's more okay. It's okay, so the puppet fair. one, I can add that one. I didn't think about that one. Yeah, so three. That's okay. That's half the deaths. I'll give you that then. All right. Either way, I just, they were done really well, is what I mean. I'm very tired and <laughs> not explaining myself very good. <laughs> but they were all entertaining. Uh, they were all different, at least for the most part, or the whole sequence was different, regardless how many people actually died by getting stabbed. Um, I bring the sequence up, but... leading up to the death was, was very, most of them were very inventive, and I enjoyed them. Yeah, but you um, said you got you were tired of people just dying by, like, machete, you know? Like, you said three people died in part two by the same way. Freddy does that a lot, where he just you oh, a kill is wasted because he just stabs him. But what leads up to it is the entertaining part, and that's what's different. Everyone's dream is different. Yeah, see, see, like the kid with the uh, that was the paraplegic or yeah. whatever. I think it would have been more, uh, more scary from a terror standpoint with him if Freddy would have been like had a had a like. You know, stuck his fucking stuck his knife in the back of the kid's neck and fucking make him paralyzed from the shoulders down. And then threw him down and let the wheelchair run over him, or, or, something. or something like that, or got down there and started like fucking doing shit like this and things like that and killing him slow, and the kid couldn't do anything. You know, I'll say that a lot of the deaths that happen in Nightmare on Elm Street, I think, should be meaner because right. of the type of killer Freddy supposedly is, and a lot of them are not. They they end up getting played for for joke, are getting done. For entertainment instead of being 
uh, for lack of a better word, mean-spirited. And see, that's one of the things that I always said, even when you did change my mind a little bit on the remake. That's one thing that I always did say about the Freddy in the remake. He was a lot more fucking brutal than any of the rest of the movies. Yeah, yeah he 100%. was. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, and, and that's the thing about it. That's the reason why I made that comment just a few minutes ago about it. Not You're not playing on the kids' fears. You're playing on what they're into. The only person that came close to being playing on the fears was Taryn. That's it. You guys, you're actually, you're 100% right. I, That was me using the wrong words. Uh, and now thinking about it, that actually applies to pretty much the entire next three movies is it's what the people are into. And hey, so spoilers. you guys... Well... Well, see, the thing, Jerry, Jerry hasn't seen any I of the don't, movies after this, aside from New Nightmare, I think. Like, if I've seen them, I've saw them so long ago, I really cannot re- tell you a damn thing about them. So it'll almost, if not first-time watches, it is literally going to be the exact same as first-time watches. But, you know, I wasn't bringing that up to 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 shoot what you were saying down or whatever else. I, no, no, I, no, no, I, no, I know. I was bringing it up as a topic that just hit me on the head. I'm just like, you know... Looking at it from that aspect, you know, and I I do think that with a little bit like what Jerry was saying, if you take away trying to make it funny and actually utilize, you know, what these kids are really afraid of and fucking turn that and twist it on them real hard. Freddy Krueger would turn out to be a Nightmare on Elm Street would be a much scarier movie. Yes, 100 percent. Let's jump back into it. Derek, where are you at for kills and gore? I gave kills and gore an eight. Like I said, like some of the kills are more graphic than others per se. It's just an awesome sleepwalking kill. That's pretty fucking awesome, <laughs> you know, the whole setup to it. But you know, even like the kills that we were saying, I I, I do like wisecracking Freddy. That's just me though. I like when he's fucking killing the wizard kid. I don't believe in fairy tales, bitch. <laughs> you know, I like that shit. So it works for me because. You get a quick one-liner, which with Jason, when the kills are stale and redundant, you don't get that shit. It's just zombie. He feels like a zombie, even though he's not a zombie in some of the earlier ones, you know? Right. I don't know. I just, uh, for some reason, as we're getting further into this, and don't get me wrong, it's not that I dislike the movies. It's just that the further I get into this, the more that I really would like to see an extremely sinister, you know, an extremely sinister Freddy. I really would like to see one of those just absolutely careless, no empathy whatsoever, just do what he wants to do. Yeah, I want a part two Freddy in a new movie. Yeah. that That's what I want. Okay. Speaking of Freddy, we go into Monster Slash Killer. I gave him a five just because I can't get behind this. I'm not a fan of Freddy. I'm even more not of a fan of him talking uh, because a lot of times it's ruining creepy moments. Um, so I, anything I say is just going to be negative towards the character of Freddy because I just still cannot get behind him and I get behind him even less here. Kenneth. Um, I gave him an eight. I like the way he looks. Like I said, I mean, I, until you get further in, you know, uh, visually he's scary to me. You know what I'm saying? Because he's got, you know, the 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 extreme burns and stuff like that. His face is all fucked up. If you know, if you saw somebody that had a damn a glove that looked like that, I mean, everything else like that. It's it, it's and he has his moments of being extremely fucked up. It's just 
you know, the reason why he doesn't get a 9 or a 10 is because of the same thing as you. He, he goes from being sinister to a cartoon character. And, and, and to me, that's... It's unfortunate, but if you could take... If, if, if the series hasn't, hadn't started with Freddy being the dark character that he was in the first one and the second one... If it hadn't started that way and he just started off like a Looney Tunes character from the whole thing, it'd be a different story. But because we have this extreme personality shift throughout the series and then it goes back to the sinister part in The New Nightmare, I think that that's actually one of the flaws because we progressively, and and Jerry will notice this in the next ones, it progressively gets worse. All right then. Jay? Uh, I gave him an eight. Uh, I thought he was fine. Uh, the tonal shift between the dark Freddy of the first and second one to the wisecracking Freddy, while I like the wisecracking Freddy, is kind of jarring. And if you're watching them in order like we are, you're kind of like, uh, okay, this is new and this is where we are now. And then you just kind of get used to it. So that's why he's not as high as you would think someone like me would rate him. Um, but other than that, I thought I thought he was he looked good. Um, the way he messes with them by using the stuff they're into, not their fears, because I'm stupid, um, <laughs> is done really well. Okay. Uh, Derek? I gave him a 10. I love fucking Freddy in this one, man. I always have and always will. Deep with no loop? <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd have to use lube with Freddy unless the skin well, comes off and he well, loops himself. The thing with this one is... The thing with this one, they're actually... I know the way you guys are doing it with you watching the movies together, but all of them in once, and you know what I mean? Like You watch them in order. I skip part two a lot because I'm not really a fan of it. I'm sorry to say. It's the best movie in the franchise, so I don't know why you're skipping it. I, because it's terrible. It terrible. is not. It did is you so listen, good. Did you listen to our, our, our part, the one we did before this? I did. I, I I respect your guys' opinions. I just, I'm not into it, man. I just didn't know whether you had listened to it or not, because I was going to say, you know, go back and watch it after you listen to it. We definitely have a whole new way to look at the movie. I used to hate it a lot more. I used to hate it a lot more than I did. Let's just put it that way. I I grew to appreciate it a little bit more. I think Jack Shoulder has done better with, like, Alone in the Dark as a director. And he's a terrible editor because he ed- he edited the burn in. So yeah, I know how he likes his editing in that movie. So yeah. So yeah, but I, I do appreciate Nightmare Two a little bit more. But I always loved Freddy in this one. All right. Well, we move on to Hero. I gave it a five. Nancy sucks. Heather is okay. Um, I don't connect with either one of them. And to be honest, the real hero of the movie is Doctor Gordon. So there's that. Five. That's the, that's the reason why I gave it a seven. What? Because of Doctor Gordon? Yeah, I like Doctor Gordon. I, I like the don't. fact. I like the fact that once he got past his own bullshit, he fucking goddamn started realizing. He started paying attention to the fucking clues that were given him. He fucking stepped up to the plate and became stronger when he goddamn you know was willing to kick goddamn Nancy's dad in the balls to fucking basically get him out there. And then when he gets out there, he doesn't give up. He doesn't fucking get weak or whatever. He fucking does what he needs to do, and he fucking goddamn puts Freddy back in the ground. Yeah, so right. I, th- 
I think he was a good hero. All with the power of Christ. What and, I, and ironically, is after he punched Nancy's dad in the balls, he gets stabbed in the balls by the skeleton. Right. So it's like all that together. I mean, it's just like I thought. It, I, I thought Doctor Gordon was great. Fair enough. My only problem is, is Doctor Gordon isn't supposed to be the hero of this movie. I don't give a shit who they want to be the hero. He is the hero, and that's who I gave a seven. Okay, He's not the enough. hero we need. He's the hero we deserve. God damn it, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help it. Well, since Jay's going to bring other people up that have probably molested a young teenage boy, uh, what did you think of the heroes? Uh, I Okay, so this was, this was a complicated one for me. Because you've got Nancy who's kind of set up to be the hero, but she's definitely not. I've got Dr. Gordon, who isn't set up to be the hero, but absolutely is. Um, and then you've got the three surviving kids who actually hold off, I guess, Freddy long enough to live. I don't, I don't know. It's kind of hard to, to categorize this one. Uh, I gave it an eight because I felt like with everything combined... It was just it was just interesting. There was more survivors than are typically left at the end of a slasher. You had somebody who wasn't really a victim of Freddy at all who actually got rid of him. So it was just it was so unique that I felt like it deserved a higher score. Okay, fair enough, Derek. I gave it a nine for the same reasons. Doctor Gordon's one of my favorite characters in the whole Nightmare franchise because his development is so good. Because he he's a skeptic at the beginning of the movie, then he starts to piece things together and starts to take the believing of this shit serious. And then he gets down to business. And I love that whole scene where he's fucking stealing holy water and shit. And it's like, take my fucking wallet. You know, it's fucking funny to me. I, he's one of my favorite characters and because he's a skeptic that becomes a believer and he uses the power of his believement to win the day. And I like, you know, Nancy and the dream Warriors fighting Freddie in the, Dreamworld are keeping him at bay for Dr. Gordon to do his fucking thing, too. And he gets out of the real world one time, I mean, the dream world, and goes into the real world, which sets him off, and then he goes back, and they keep him occupied enough for him to do what he has to do. Yeah, I just... I just I, I and honestly, the more I think about it, the more I think that, damn... Dr. Gordon was set up to be the hero to begin with. I mean, think about it. From the beginning of the movie, he's there. He's the one that damn puts his neck out for against the uh, the bitch or whoever it was for the kids. I mean, the whole nine. I mean, he's there from the beginning. I think that Nancy is pretty much just a facilitator for other parts of the backstory. She's pretty much the one that sets him up to become the hero because she makes him think okay maybe what i'm doing is not working i want to help these kids because he really cares you can see that he really cares what these kids are going you see that scene where he's looking at the photos and stuff the kids and he feels bad that they're gone it really shows you know and that's the way he becomes see to to me the movie is setting up heather as the hero she's the one she's the one that they she's the first i'm literally trying to tell you and you're screaming why to me in the middle of me talking I don't agree, but okay, whatever you say. You don't agree that you, while I'm trying to explain it, you're asking me why and not letting me finish? What do you... Yeah, go ahead. No, because Dr. Gordon is the first character they set up from the beginning before Nancy even comes. They start off the movie on Heather. Heather is the one that could bring everyone into the dream world. She is the one that Nancy is using to say, look, she's the one that can get us all in there. She is the key. She is the key. She is the one that can do this. 
while Gordon is played off as a side character constantly and just happens to be his side quest becomes the most important one, but it's still played as a side quest. While them going and fighting the enemy directly and Heather being the one that can bring them to do that, that's why I believe Heather is set up to be the main person. Nancy is supposed to be support and the doctor is honestly just a side character who ends up falling into a bigger part. I don't, I don't know, honestly. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't see it that way. Because I've never heard anyone when they talk about this movie talk about how important Gordon is. Well, I never actually reviewed any of these movies before either. So yeah, but yeah, see, even with the, even with the way that I look at it, man, when, when, looking back on it and looking at it over the years and stuff like that, I've never felt like Nancy was the main. I'm not saying Nancy is. I'm saying Heather is. I never thought Heather was either. I thought my was argument just, is uh, that Heather is because Heather is the one that they start the movie with. Then Nancy is the one that says Heather is the key to getting Kristen. us all. Kristen. Oh, that's where I'm fucking up. I'm sorry. I kept saying Heather. It's... Heather is Nancy's real name. I think I'm that's sorry. where you're... Yes, it is. It's her bad acting is making me a bad podcaster. <laughs> uh, uh, what's the blonde bitch's name again? Kristen. 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 Kristen is the main character because the movie starts with Kristen and then moves into uh, her meeting Nancy. The whole movie follows her. She is the main focus of the entire movie. And uh, Nancy is like, she's the key. She's the one that can get us, get us in us. Even when she convinces uh, Gordon to let them try it, she does that by going, uh, oh, I almost said Heather again. Uh, Kristen is the key. She's the one that will get us there. And even when they go back to fight him later on, she's the one that they have to get through. Yeah, but we're talking about the hero, not the main character. And the, the, I'm saying the movie sets her up as the hero. That is the way the movie is set up. If it was, Gord- then... Oh, my God. Was, Derek, stop. If it was, then... then Derek, why did they stop. Give, why did Derek, they give Gordon the suggestion of how to stop Freddy to begin with, with her following the nun character? Because I think Kristen's more not in the movie than you think she is. Because <laughs> they follow Gordon and Nancy through most of it. Well, I'm not going to continue this more because you keep interrupting me every time I'm trying to make my point, man. Like, I'm not trying to be a dick, but, like, once again, I'm trying to make my point, and you interrupt it to bring up something else. I'm just, like, so we're moving on from this one. Did we do everyone for that one, or are we just starting out for Hero? No, we're done. Okay. Score and soundtrack. I gave it a five because I, I can't tell you anything about it. I can't remember anything besides they bring the lullaby back, and that's it. Um, I think there is the main Freddy jingle that is used. In the movie, uh, but that that jingle has never ever caught me, um, so I gave it a five. Kenneth, I gave it an eight just because it follows suit with the other ones. Okay, fair enough. Jay, uh, I gave it a nine. That fucking hair metal rocks. The Dokken, I think, is the band singing the Dream Warriors theme song. Yeah, uh, and being oh, yeah, played when she's trying to stay awake at the beginning. I fucking <laughs> love that hair metal. It fits in perfectly, in my opinion. <laughs> When we were watching it earlier today, you know how it comes up in the in the ending credits. I was I looked over at Jerry and I was like, "Man, this song's fucking awesome!" And he's just like, "I'm just not into this kind of music, so it sucks." I, and I told him I usually like when the credits start, I turn off the movie, so I never really listen to the song because I, I I don't like hair metal. So I was just like, "No, I'm good, man." Yeah, and I I think it's good. I really really like it. I think the if you go back and you look uh, the the VHS. You know, yeah. the VHS had the video on it, 
And I think it was like one of the first times that the that the whole video had been on with the movie. And uh, they liked the. I remember watching a in the documentary. Doc and really liked the fact that their video was with the movie when you bought it. And they did this again for another Freddie movie, right? Where they made a music video with a band. It was that rap song. Uh, Heavy D. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't yeah. think it was actually in the movie, but it, they did make a music video about Freddie. Oh, yeah. so that wasn't that wasn't like them getting the song for or the Fat Boys. Yeah, it was Fat Boys. Yeah, it was actually a song they did. It wasn't part of any soundtracks. Oh shit! I thought it was part of the soundtrack. And then later on, for Friday the Thirteenth, you end up having Alice Cooper doing the same thing with the Man Behind the Mask. Yeah, for Part Six, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I know that. See, it's just not my music. So, I, it, since y'all are into that, I have to lend to y'all's opinion. Uh, and I, then. I, Fresh Prince and Jazzy Jeff did a Nightmare on My Street, which is also yeah. And then Mega Rand did a, a kind of a remake of that one. Right, that was really good. good um, Mega Rand, yeah, good old Mega Rand. I like me some Mega Rand. Uh, Derek, give it a nine out of ten because Angelo Baldamati is one of my favorite composers. Of course, he's probably mostly known for composing the main theme for Twin Peaks. Uh, his music's very subtle, but I like that it's subtle. It comes when it has to. Like the opening theme where it's like do 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 I fucking love that shit. It's so fucking airy when Kristen's painting the house and uh, yeah, and I love fucking talking too. I love hair metal, regular metal. I just love fucking metal, man. So I'm down. You know what? Your point that you made that it's subtle. I probably should have ranked it higher because there have been times where I've said I like the soundtrack more because it didn't take you out of the movie because it was so subtle that it just feels like it's natural in there. And that's a valid point. I probably should have actually raised my score based off that. All right, so now we move into Scare Factor. Did Jay give his score? Yeah, he ranked it high as shit. What would you say, Jay, like a nine or something? Yeah, because of the hair metal. Because of the hair metal, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Because you people in your hair metal. I just love it. All right, Scare Factor. Um, I gave it a five because the first half is really scary and that's ruined by the comic book turn and Funny Freddy is just not scary to me. So five because I feel like the there's that good chunk of the first part of the movie that is really scary. And then it, to me, gets ruined by uh, a little before the halfway point. Uh, Kenneth. I gave it a five also because I didn't really find the movie to be scary. There were a couple of aspects of it that were creepy and definitely I think the atmosphere was better, but... Overall, the movie wasn't scary because then you, just like you said, you get into those aspects where it's like watching, you know, like watching a cartoon. It's, it, I don't know. Okay. Fair enough. Jay. Okay. So hear me out. I gave it an eight, but I gave it an eight because of the fact that the kids are inside the psych ward and they're dying and it just totally plays with my personal experiences and I just, I, I connect with this one way more than any of the other ones. So the situation that they're all in is way more frightening to me than any other fictional situation I've watched in a movie, strictly because it, it connects with me on a really personal level. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone can argue against that. Uh, once, being scared is subjective. Some things are going to scare you more than they would scare others. Uh, so... This being set in a in a place you're very familiar with, yeah, that would 100% make it more scary to you. So you don't have we don't have to hear you out on that one. I think we could all agree on that. Okay, uh, cool. <laughs> yeah, for once, Jay, we're not going to yell at you. Oh. Uh, Derek, 
I gave it a 7. Oh, I gave it a 7.5 just because once I was a kid it, the scares were a little bit more there for me but as an adult watching the adults point of view some of them work better but some of the kills still kind of affect me in that way that when I first seen them like when Puppet Freddy comes alive and shit because anything with fucking toys coming alive like I'm even scared of the fucking scene look who's talking too and he's Mikey's having the fucking dream so you know when his toys come to life, you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah, yeah. Is that the same one that's got the talking toilet? Yeah, voiced by Mel Brooks. That used to scare the shit out of me. Dude, <laughs> I'm with you. That that literally scared the shit out of me. Yeah, they so, would just hold me above the toilet and play so, that scene. Yeah. I'm, so, kidding. So, I'm kidding, can I? <laughs> I'm fucked up, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, Derek. Continue. You, you know, the, some of the scares still work for me because of the personal level of shit that scares me, but then some of them don't. So that's why I rate it a little higher than you guys, but I get you. Fair enough. All right, we go to entertainment. Um, this one for me is a four, and this is just personal. Um, I'm just not entertained. I am more entertained by it than, you know, the Friday the 13th Part 3, but it just takes all interest away with me after, you know, uh, 45 minutes of the 30 to 45 minutes of the movie's gone, it gets just all ripped away from me. Uh, and I'm just no longer entertained and I'm just sitting there waiting for it to end. Kenneth. That's all about entertainment, right? Yeah. I give it an eight. It was entertaining. I mean, like I said, I mean, it's not scary. You know what I'm saying? It's not really scary or whatever else, but it still is entertaining. Like I said, it's like watching a cartoon. You know, so it, even though there are things about it that I wish were better that I've already described throughout this, I still think it was, you know, a lot more uh, uh, entertaining and at, at, at moments where I could laugh and shit like that. So but I'm getting a text it's from Bugs Bunny. He says, if you ever say some disrespectful shit about cartoons like that again, he will fuck you up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, if you like Bugs Bunny, you're going to love fucking Freddy's Dead. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I mean, it just gets more cartoony as you go along. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, J Entertainment. A uh, nine. It, I. It, this is all personal score. I can't even. It's my favorite one. It's the most entertaining one to me. It's the one I've watched the most. I just. I can't ever not be entertained by this movie. All right, Derek. Give it a nine. Also, like I said, it's like one of the first ones I ever seen with the Nightmare on the Streets, and it's one that's always stuck with me, too. So, yeah, it's a nine for entertainment. I could watch this one whenever. It's okay. Fun. Well, with watching it forever, we that walks us perfectly into the next category: rewatchability. I also gave it a four. The only way I'm probably ever watching this movie again is if I have to review it. Otherwise, no thanks. I will uh, watch something else. Kenneth, go ahead. I gave it an eight also. I mean, it's one of those that if it comes up on the TV, more than likely I'm going to watch it again. Okay, Jay. Nine, again, favorite one. It's the one I watch the most. I I can't get enough of it. Fair enough, Derek. Ten. With the effects, the mixture, everything that I already rated, yeah, it's a ten. All right, we move into pop culture. Um, so I gave I gave this a ten because to me, when you think of Freddy, you think of this movie. I feel like this is the movie everyone's going to point to when they talk about Freddy. Um, and just because it doesn't work for for me, it works for everyone else because everyone likes the birth of punchline Freddy, and that's where you get it. This is the Freddy that when I hear people talk about Freddy, they're talking about this Freddy. 
Uh, so because of that, being someone who's outside, who is not a fan of the series, and still knows that, obviously, this only counts for horror fans because outside of this, no one, much like Friday the 13th Part 3 in The Mask, uh, no one probably can point out which one it is. But for not being a fan, and I can still point out the one that everyone points to, made me give it a 10. Kenneth? I give it a 9, and the reason why I gave it a 9 is because... I mean, it's up there, like all, pretty much all the points that you say and stuff like that. It's just for, during the time period when this came out, I remember when this came out. And I remember, you know, when the next one came out. And I honestly think that more people would remember part four. Wow. Okay. Uh, that one also has Dream Warriors, right? That's the Dream... Uh, Master. This is, what is this? This is Dream Warriors. The next one is uh, Dream Master. Ah, Dream Masters or Dream Master? Master One. Master. Master, Master of One. Okay. Yes. Uh, Jay, pop culture. I gave it a 10. Uh, I think outside of the original, this one is the one that is uh, most beloved. Um, it has one of the most, if you ask any horror fan to give you a Freddy Krueger quote, I think the highest percentage one will be Welcome to Primetime, bitch. Um. So I just just for the recognizability of it uh, is where I, where I put it at with the ten. Okay, Derek. Looking back on it now, I should have rated a ten, but I gave it a nine, so I got to stick with my rating. Unfortunately, uh, just the way that I was thinking about it. But yeah, this is definitely the one where everyone knows Freddie from, and like we said before, he became like a pop icon doing music videos with the Fat Boys after this and stuff. You know what I mean? So. Definitely like a nine. It's a very high rating either way. Okay. So before we get to scores, I, I got a few things I want to point out. And I also want to jump back into this hero discussion uh, so we can try to clearly state some things. One, um, I want to point out that the huge uh, what Freddy does in part two is bad because he's coming into the real world is bullshit. Because not only does Freddy come into the real world in this movie without a problem and no one bitches about it he can also feel the real world from the dream world so that's not an argument anymore people need to shut the fuck up <laughs> um and if the best movie in the franchise according to to the fan base can do it then then part two can do it but i also want to point out that that i discovered a huge uh problem with the with the continuity today and i brought it to kenneth and he was even kind of shocked by it. So I want to bring it up to Jay. Um, Jay, Freddy was not buried with his glove, with his glove. So why did the skeleton have it when it came to life? Uh, I'm going to go with what is bad writing for 500, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> At least you admit it right off the bat, dude. Yeah, I can't even. I can't even disagree. Uh, I don't. I do not have a logical explanation for that. Because uh, I had. What's her face had the. Had the glove and she showed it to Nancy in the first one, so there's that. Um, it's highly doubtful that the dad, after the mom died, took the glove out of the house, brought it to where the bones were, and buried it. Um, the only thing no, I could, in the house as because, a writer, uh... as a creative, think of is Freddie used his unclarified magic dream powers to mold his finger bones into blades. But I honestly got nothing. Yeah, that was the conclusion I came to, is that the only way it would make sense is if uh, 
the, if Freddy had done it with his magical powers. It's Hollywood. <laughs> but uh, but the, but for sure the dad never removed the glove because the glove Mark Patton finds the glove exactly where the mother had it. Oh yeah, good point. Good point. Um, so that couldn't have happened. And the crazy thing about it was, is he came up with this because we had, had been having a previous conversation about how the uh, the skeleton looked. And we were talking about Jason and the Argonauts and stuff like that. So I was just like, okay, fuck it. Let's just bring that part up of the movie. So we walked into the living room and then, bam, he came up with that, the continuity thing. And I was like, wow, you were completely correct. Yeah, yeah it's just one of those things I've never that. heard. Yeah, you know, okay. it is odd. Yeah. So on the hero thing, I'm going to clarify my statements and and clarify what I think versus what y'all think. Um and for the record, I do think the hero is Dr. Gordon. What I'm saying is, I think the movie sets up the main character of Kristen as the hero, as the basic, as because that's the basic trope. That mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's going with the flow of the basic trope. It's keeping her in center the entire movie. Uh, playing with Nancy supporting her and Dr. Gordon actually being a side quest who's supporting Nancy. Um, so I do agree with you that Dr. Gordon is the hero. I don't think the film sets it up that way, but I do believe you, y'all do have a good argument for once the nun is involved, that there is a switch that could be setting him up. Do you think that's good writing or shitty writing? (laughs) That's actually hard to say because on one side you could look at it and go, that's fucking genius. Right. Throw it off to the side and be like, bam, he's here. But on the other side, it's like. Do you think they really thought like, that through? <laughs> really? Like, you give it, like, because obviously they meant for him to be an important character because he learns the whole backstory of Freddy that we didn't even talk about because, I mean, I, I get, I, do people really care about the, how Freddy became Freddy? Eventually it just comes to be the bastard son of a thousand maniacs. Or, yeah. Well, in this movie they say a hundred. A hundred, whatever it is. Okay. I don't remember. Because we're talking 2000 Maniacs, you know what movie we're talking about. Right. We're going so, 2001. Yeah, That's uh, always yeah. the way I go. But the, the point is, the, is that, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, uh, I know there was a rewrite of the original script, which I'm kind of curious what was left in and what was left out, because I know Wes Craven actually did write a script treatment for this before Russell and Darabont kind of reworked it. Right. It, it would be interesting to see Wes Craven's original, because I heard it was... I heard Wes Craven's was more fucked up than what they made, yeah. so maybe but, Wes Craven's would have been the like, way we wanted. With the name of the movie being Dream Warriors, with them like just the way the movie sets everything up, it is setting to me. It is setting up Kristen to be the hero, and then it just sideballs it. Yes, I agree with you. I, I don't. I, I, I can see where you're, you're coming from. I, I can see where you're coming from, man. I know I kind of brought the shot before you could explain yourself earlier. So. Now that you explain it, yes, but I kind of like that it wasn't that aspect, too. You know what I mean? No, I agree. I like it also. And I kind of fucked up my own explanation because I kept saying Heather for some fucking reason. Yeah, that's why I was uh, confused at some point. Which, which was, now I understand why you're interrupting me because you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Heather's not the main character. She's she's old blowjob McGee over here. Uh, <laughs> Blowjobs. So I just wanted to get back to that and clarify what I was actually trying to say and... I do agree that who the hero is, and I do think there is an argument that could be made when the nun comes into the movie, 
and starts explaining like this big background about Freddy, why that would shove the hero thing. But I mean, he never, but because Gordon never meets head to head with Freddy as we see Freddy, only the sack of bones Freddy. That's another reason why I think they're still trying to push Heather as the hero. I don't think they did it intentionally. I you know, think you think it was, it was just a side thing? Yeah, I just think it yeah, kind of yeah. happened. Yeah. I could, I could see that. All right, so here are the scores. I gave it a 94, uh, which is the lowest. Kenneth gave it a 115. Jay gave it 130. And Derek gave it 131 at the highest one point above Jay. Jay, I'm sorry you lose. <laughs> I didn't know uh, this was a competition. Shit, let me change a couple things to 10s real quick. <laughs> it is. Uh, and you lost. Oh, um, fuck. So that that means that uh, Nightmare on Elm Street takes a win. And, yes! Uh, uh. That would actually, I, I, be, I believe, puts it uh, two, to, two one. to one? Yeah. Yeah. Go Nightmare. Yeah. Night, it's nightmare. Lose the next one, though, so. I think it's going to. Oh, yeah. I absolutely. already predicted that Friday's going to win oh. every round up until round seven. That one's going to be a fight. Interesting we'll interesting fact when you guys get to part five, you know the lady who plays Kristen's mother? Okay. That's uh, her. The actress is actually the mother of Violet, the actress who plays Violet in Friday Five. Oh, shit. So yeah. it's a little connection there with both series. That's funny. Uh, yeah, I did not know that. Um, so with that being said, uh, we're going to turn it over real quick uh, to Derek. What What are you shaking your head for? What are you doing? I now remember that. Remember what? What Derek just said. <laughs> oh, the, the relationship thing? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that at all. Yeah, I now remember that because it's in one of the documentaries I watched. Oh, okay. Um, but I'm going to turn it over to Derek. Derek, pimp out your shit, man. Tell us where they can find you. Of course, uh, Cinema Attack Podcast uh, on Horophilia, of course. We're, uh, we just uh, recorded something special that should be coming out next week. Kind of keeping a little secret because it's a secret new brand of the show uh, that's coming out. I, I like to do brands, too, for my own shit sometimes. You know. But uh, as always... Uh, Underwater Kaiju, which is part of the Kill the Cast brand also. Uh, I'm not sure when we're recording next month, but if you see, uh, we have the H-Man episode out. Check that out. That's the show I do with Mr. Heron here and uh, Don and Ellie. And uh, we actually, me and Don got into a little fist feisty at the very end, too, earlier. So there's a lot of fighting going on, but I'm really a nice guy, guys. Uh, I, li- I like it feisty because, you know what, if we can get feisty in the middle of it and then at the end we're all good. We, we know we're just getting heated because of the debate. It's not like we're calling each other names. Yeah, it's you like I'm, you're little goody two shoes, little goody two shoes. I'm the yeah. one. <laughs> we just we, we get heated because we're trying to talk and we want to get these points out. And sometimes the only way to to just drop it is to be like, "Look, shut the fuck up." And then somebody just turns into straight dick. Yeah, and you and you have, it's dick. the only. I mean, it is what you got to do sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it happens, but. Yeah, that's about it. Do you like straight dick? Because when you walk when you walk into the room, Nancy's like straight talk only in here, guys. Mm-hmm. And you're like, all right, well, someone well, give me I straight dick. Gay talk in here. Yeah, what's Nancy got against homosexuals? She doesn't. She's a what do you mean? She, she only wants straight talk. She's a homophobe and a xenophobe and whatever else. For her curly perm <laughs> and her shitty fucking mouth. Hashtag BBC. 
<laughs> oh my god. Yeah, uh, that's, that's about it. I yeah, have, uh, I'll have sorry. Links, I'll have links to all of his stuff in the description, of, as always, and we'll have links to all of our stuff. Uh, join the Facebook groups. There's a Facebook group for Cinema Attack. There's a Facebook group for Kill the Cast. Check check the Twitters. Check the Patreons. Check the uh, YouTube channels. Uh, check. Yeah, we uh, need to do some work with that YouTube. I'm almost Wait. settled in my new apartment. I'm getting a desk this week, and then I'll start some YouTube stuff for everybody. Yeah, we're kind of backed up on everything. Like, fucking Kenneth and I were talking about it earlier today, and I'm just like, I don't know how I'm going to do all this stuff because, like, there's, like, two weekends in October. We can't record. I just found out I can't record this upcoming weekend. So I'm just like... Oh, yeah, I'm gone for a long time in October. Yeah, so I'm just like, it'll all come out someday. It has. Yeah, it's all Fuck good. It. Uh, like uh at this point the the show that i owe derek isn't going to come out till either late october or early november so i'm like i'm gonna have it eventually it's in the schedule it's gonna happen before we do another jerry hates action it'll be like a fine wine it's aging properly (laughs) it's uh it's aging like the 90s godzilla series um so with that being said, thank you, Derek, for coming on and battling in the Horror Coliseum for us. I hope it was an enjoyable experience, and I hope it, it gave you a new way to look at films, because it's very interesting when you break it down. Yeah, segments. It, it is, man, you know? Definitely. Uh, so I'm super stoked about it. Um, the next episode I think you guys will actually get will be Horror Coliseum Volume 4. I think that is going to be the next issue, because I can't record this coming weekend. There was an episode <laughs> planned for that, but now that's fucking shot. Um, so, welcome to prime time, bitch. <laughs> Hell yeah. Alright, we are out, guys. Thanks for joining us. We all love you. Does anyone have anything they want to say to the audience in final? Jay, you got anything you want to say? Uh, go Nightmare. Alright, that's the last time you're going to get to say that for a while. Uh, Derek, you got anything you want to say? I am the Wizard Master. <laughs> Alright, Tom Hanks. Kenneth, you got anything you want to say? Sharding in church is frowned upon. <laughs> see, I told you this movie loved Jesus. We are out, guys. We will see you in October.